You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I need to start with something really serious here. Two children ordered their mother to stay in bed one Mother's Day morning. As she lay there looking forward to her breakfast in bed, the smell of bacon floated up from the kitchen. But after a good long wait, she finally went downstairs to investigate. She found them both sitting at the table, eating bacon and eggs. As a surprise for Mother's Day, one explained, we'd have decided to cook our own breakfast. (laughs) Thanks. A little girl asked her mom, how did the human race appear? Mom answered, God made Adam and Eve and they had children and so was all mankind made. Two days later, the girl asked her dad the same question. Dad answered, many years ago, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mom and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God? And dad said they developed from monkeys. The mother answered, well, dear, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his. (laughs) Nine things mom would never say. How on earth can you see the TV sitting back so far? Yeah, I used to skip school a lot, too. Just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look more cheery. Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. Though in my house, you'd think that's what I said. Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'd be glad to feed and walk him every day. Well, if Johnny's mama says it's okay, that's good enough for me. The curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. I've actually told my kids that, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, just, let's just deal. Don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. So nine things mom will never say. All right. <laughs> I knew there was going to be a sad song. We just needed a little. I needed to recover from that. All right, so we don't have a lot of time. I'm going to talk fast. We're going to get through this, all of this, all one hour of this. We're just going to get it done. I know. It's all good. So last time I spoke, which was in January, I didn't realize it was that long ago, I talked about um, covenant and the inheritance that flows from covenant and the relationships we have with one another um, and and with our spiritual fathers and mothers. So you can go get that if you want to kind of get caught up. I don't have time to go through a lot of it today. The, The point was kind of we choose to connect our lives to each other and to our spiritual mother and fathers in in covenant relationship. And from that covenant flows a multiplication of the gifts that are on the people we surround ourselves with. Okay, everybody in this room, every believer has a gift on their life that you can draw and receive from whether they are perfect or not. That's, I think that's what we get into a lot is that we see the struggles that people go through or we see the, the sin they have and we forget that we have our own pet sins. We, and, and so then we go, I can't receive anything from them. And you are missing out on this multiplication of inheritance and gifts and a wealth of amazingness that God wants to pour into you. And that happens in community. That happens in covenant with one another. And, and, and the big part of that last time too was putting yourself under somebody of spiritual father and mother that will pour what they have into your lives. Okay, covenant is powerful. Covenant is laying down your life for another's best. It's choosing honor when people don't act honorably. It's the exchanging of lives. All that one has now belongs to the other. And we get to bring these together. Inheritance is the multiplication of gifts, resources, and influence. 
what you and I spend our life building will be passed on to those we're in relationship with. Okay, our friends, our employees, our coworkers, our children. If you want to receive your inheritance, you need to learn to stay in covenant with spiritual mother and fathers and community brothers and sisters. Okay, so today, it's funny, I feel like it's kind of a Mother's Day commencement speech. It's, we're talking about being spiritual mothers and fathers. So if you don't have kids today and I say your kids, you know, your, your spiritual authority, I am talking to you as a believer who wherever you go, because of God inside of you, you are a leader. You are an influencer. You have input into somebody's life around you. So I don't want you to exclude yourself because you're not a parent or because you're young, whatever the reason, because you're a dad and not a mom. Like, this has nothing to do with that. But I also, like, it's also, we had graduation last week, and Talis is here visiting because she's celebrating her friends graduating college, and we're celebrating the kids next week. And just thinking, like, what I want to tell you today is that it is time to graduate from the old way of life. It is time to go higher. Gosh, this can be hard. (laughs) It's time to step forward into your power and your authority. Okay, so not, how many of you came from a perfect family? (laughs) Nobody? Probably not many of us, right? Probably not many of us received the perfect, most amazing set of tools for doing relationship or finances or community or business or work, right? We, we all came from broken places. Even if the, you have the best of families. There's, <laughs> I listen to this couple a lot and they don't have kids yet, but they, they're counselors. And they're like, oh yeah, 100%, our kids are gonna need therapy when they're adults because, because we're always gonna be making them talk about their emotions and their feelings. And they're gonna be like, I don't know why, I just wanted to play with G.I. Joes. I didn't wanna talk about my feelings. And mom made me, you know, so we... However, the best you do, we're still gonna, or the best your parents tried to do, there's probably still wounds inside of us. There's probably still things that affected you negatively, okay? Um, Even if they're great, we can always be looking for better tools. And no matter your starting point, we can all grow, be transformed, value the wisdom of God, and leave a better inheritance to our children, to the people following us, to the people around us, than the one we've received. Okay, and the good news here is you have a choice. You get to decide what you will build into your life today, and it will change your future and the future of those you impact. What you build today will leave an inheritance for your children's children and what you refuse to invest in, build up, or the things you choose to walk away from today will also affect your children's children exponentially. Inheritance, investing, growing these things is not addition. It is multiplication. It is, uh, it's exponential. So the first thing I think of when I think about this is, okay, you think about where, okay, where am I today? Okay, where am I with the set of tools and graces and gifts on my life? Where am I with my connection to community? And where do I think I'm supposed to be? Where is God calling me to be in those areas? Okay, the first thing we need to do when we talk about leaving an inheritance is have a clear vision. 
um, Proverbs 29, 18, can't talk about this without going there. It says, when there, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. That was the Passion Translation. The NIV says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Okay, vision is what you wake up to and say yes to every day. It's what you see as possible, what you hope for, and what you dream about with God. It's your vision. And what that does, what God showed me years ago, you know the the freshman ditches that run through town? They're called the freshman ditches because all the freshmen who stay out too late making questionable choices, stumbling home, trip into the ditches. Right, Barb? How many ER patients did you see over the years that hurt themselves in a ditch? So the picture God gave me was, you know, that water coming coming down off the mountain, coming into the rivers, it gets to be channeled through those irrigation ditches. And it gets to go to a specific place and be a blessing. We get to water our yards and our gardens. We fill up the lake, okay? Where the other, when, when there is not that vision, where there's not that direction and those boundaries, of what we're saying yes to in our life and where we're going, it's like when the river just floods the field, And that field is blessed. It gets more moisture and probably can produce more vegetation. But that water never has more of an impact than that. It's just, it's kind of contained, it's spread out. It doesn't have as powerful of an impact as when it gets to go through town in those ditches. So ask yourself, if you're thinking about your vision, if we're thinking about where am I going, what do you value What are the core values in your life? And, you know, don't get too heady or spiritual with this. It could be peace. I value having a peaceful home. Okay, it could be growth. I value always being challenged and changing. It could be, you know, community, following Christ probably, um, helping others. What are the things that you value? You've got to ask yourself, what do I value and what is important to me? And, And, you know, one value isn't wrong over another. Maybe, you know, I value a peaceful home environment. Jamie values a fun home environment, which to me doesn't feel peaceful. Okay, so there's not really a right or wrong answer. It's just, what are my values? What am I building around me? And then you have to ask yourself, where am I today? We have to take a real look at the choices we've made. And are you holding on to those values and that vision for your life? What is my vision? What are my values? Where do I want my life to go? And then we got to go, okay, but where am I actually at right now? I do this with my clients in bookkeeping, right? They, I, we're, we're building this. We're going here. I want to make this much money in a year. And I sit them down with their income statement and their balance sheet and their debt list. And I go, that's amazing. I love your vision. Here's where you're at now. And we, got, we have to do that. What, what sins am I allowing to be in my life? What bad attitudes am I allowing? You know, pull it up like you're pulling up your financial statements. What am I allowing that shouldn't be there? What fear, what insecurity? That will not serve you on your way to that vision. So what are we going to do to eradicate that? Okay, and what are you called to build? Your third question you need to ask yourself. What are you called? So there's the vision, but what are you called to build? What is God saying? This is your gifting. This is what you value. This is how I've designed you now. Here's what I am calling you to. And here's how I wrote it. Where do your values align with your design? 
God's purposes for you and what you dream about. What are you called to build? Where do your values align with your design? God's purposes for you and what you dream about. Ask God to show you what you really desire, what he created you to do and be, and be fulfilled at. So answer those questions and then say yes to those things every day. Then when something pulls at your time and tension, attention that wants to take you away from that yes, that direction, it's easy to say no. Um, you know, the, the best example is when you are married, it's really easy to say no. Do you just have this happen to you? It's really easy to say no to the guy hitting at you at the grocery store who wants to go running with you when you're like, I am married. I am not going there. When your yes is yes, the no is easy. <laughs> yep. Those without vision live aimlessly. Remember that water? They live aimlessly, wasting their resources of money, time, energy, giftings, we could say. When we're not clear about our yes, we have a hard time saying no. Here's what I felt like God said. There is no fear of missing out. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out. There is no fear of missing out when you fear God. I think a lot of times we don't have the vision because we're afraid that if we choose, we'll choose the wrong thing or we'll make a mistake and then we don't ever, I don't know how to say it, channel (laughs) the gifts on our life and the resources on our life and the purposes on our life because it's like, well, if I say yes to just that, that means I'm saying no to all these things. Yeah, and you can't say yes to everything, but when you say, when you fear God, There's no fear of missing out because you need to understand he is for you. He is good. His plans for you will fulfill your heart. He will speak to your identity. A sense of purpose, a a conviction that you are building something great and that you will and can leave a legacy and inheritance for the kingdom and your children by the way you lived and worked and served with all your wealth will be a laser focus aiming you, aiming you where God wants you to go. So get a clear vision for your life from God. Let it focus you in that way. I wrote this. It will focus your time, energy, and resources like a laser. You will stay on track even when it gets hard because it's not about what you do. It becomes about who you are and your unique purpose and calling in the earth. Okay, and again, it will be fulfilling and energizing. Note I didn't say easy, but it will be fulfilling and energizing. It will serve others and it will bless your family. Okay, the next part in this that I felt like God was, wanted to talk about was humility. Everybody say, woo, woo, humility. Oh, we got one leaving already. No, I'm kidding. You, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was so perfect. <laughs> I'm not offended. Out of here. Humility will make it easier to get where you want to go and need to go. Okay, pride and a lone ranger, do-it-myself attitude, the can't ask for help, too ashamed to ask questions, attitude and stance will leave you isolated and stunted in your growth. I've seen people come through here who have amazing gifts. They know the word of God. They've experienced his presence. But they will not, how did I write it down? Hang on. They will not connect to the body. They will not connect with other believers. And maybe it's shame, okay, but they won't admit they need anything. They get offended easily, and they don't end up staying long. Don't be those people. It's really sad to see isolated, hurting people who won't choose 
to connect, to open up their heart. I was telling John, you know, I've been going through a season where I feel like my heart is just ripped open and I'm going, okay, it, all, it hurts. It's all here and, and it's great. And we talk through stuff. And then I'm like, I, I have literally a vulnerability hangover the next day. I am like, I feel so raw from opening up in that way. Guys, that's how we get whole. That's how we get healed. And look, when I say community, I don't mean everybody in this room or everybody and every believer in the whole world needs that kind of intimacy or access to your heart. I have three, maybe four people in my life that I can open up like that too. Okay, so don't panic. One might be a panic reason for you, but um, we've got to do this. Okay, and keep in mind, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. I'm a worm, I'm so low. Humility is thinking of yourself less often. It's just saying, I'm who God made me to be. I'm doing what he put me on this earth to do and I'm gonna serve others well with it. And you're others focused and you're building kingdom focused and you're building family focused. Okay, humility is saying yes to who you are and who you're not. Humility is saying, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be everything to everyone. I don't have to... Be what a, I don't know. You get it. It's being who you are. And that's, and saying, this is what, what I am. And that doesn't mean we don't grow and change. We'll get to that too. Okay, be teachable. Be able to receive from others, even others you don't like or agree with. It's okay to receive from them. And I'm not saying people who are not speaking truth. Gosh, I feel like you know. You guys get it? Okay, okay. Humility is asking for help, admitting you don't know it all, and are still learning and growing. And look, we're, as we do this, as we step out in this, look, we're all a mess. Can we just start there? Ground zero? Like, we all have places in our lives that we need work on. There are fears. There are struggles. There is shame. Okay? It's there. Let's just go, yeah, it's there. Keep growing. Keep building. Keep reaching out to people who, who can pour into you. If you're going to live a life of legacy for your children's children, you will need to face off with those broken areas in your life. Again, vulnerability hangover, but we've got to face off with those things in your life. We have to let people surround us that will speak truth into our life, who will tell us where our blind spots are, who will tell us you know, where our attitudes are actually causing the things, the, the drama going on in our life or the confusion going on in our life when, yeah, you know, that's you. <laughs> You should deal with that. Let me help you. Is that harsh? Find somebody who says it more loving than that. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. This idea of was first deposited, this, um, I don't know how to say this. This idea was first deposited in me way before I had kids. Lisa Bevere, I heard speak 15, 20 years ago. To even say that, throw that out as a number is kind of crazy since I'm only 29. But, um, guys laugh. Um, She said a couple of things. Your children will either inherit God's promises or your fears. Are you dealing with your fears, your insecurities, your shame? Because if you don't, they will inherit that. Or do they see a mom and a dad and a leader that is growing, that is pushing past their weaknesses, their fears, their unhealthy community. And when I first heard that, I I knew I had some work to do. And it's been a good while in counting. So um, 
And again, if you don't have children, this principle still applies. You are leaders in some capacity. Your fears, insecurity, shame, lack of integrity, it will multiply in the people around you, in your workplace, in anything you lead. So don't build on those things. Don't let them be buried under the rug, but overcome them. Okay? Each of us will leave an inheritance to our children. What you refuse to build up or tear down in your life will affect you, oh, sorry, will affect your actual and spiritual. Okay, again, it will affect your sons and daughters exponentially. You will leave an inheritance. What will it consist of? A multiplication of your bad attitudes, fears, and shame. A gift of the dysfunction, pride, or bitterness passed down from generation to generation. Or will you leave behind a multiplication of your testimony, how God has worked in and through you in those areas? What he's revealed to you throughout your life, where he has shown up and been faithful, and we recount those stories to one another. We tell them to our children, and we build this legacy of faith and testimony. Oh, man, God is good. I might need another counseling session here. (laughs) Preaching to myself. I think it's so interesting that God often uses our weaknesses and broken places rather than our strengths to connect his heart to the world around us. So you, by burying and hiding your weaknesses and your struggles and your strengths instead of overcoming them, you're actually hurting what God could do through you in this world. You know, I, <laughs> Chris Valton joked, he's like, I'm pretty sure God goes, cool, you took a strength finder's test and these are your strengths. We won't be using any of those. Let's find out where you really need to rely on me. Let's find out where. And I love, well, we'll get there in a second. Paul says to the Philippian church in uh, Philippians 1.14, I just, I came across this. I thought it was so interesting. The Passion Translation, is, he says, What I am going through, okay, he's in prison, he's chained to a wall, he's knee-deep or more in sewer. He says, what I am going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God, all because of my chains. Now, first of all, Paul made a choice. He kept preaching the goodness of God in that circumstance while experiencing the shame and pain and unknown of being in a prison cell, not knowing what the next thing was, he said, but God is still good, and I will still proclaim freedom while I'm not experiencing it. He made a choice to shake off those lies, to continue pursuing God and encouraging the church. Okay, he wasn't shaken by the external realities of his situation. What he was going through was encouraging to so many because of those choices he made. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't blaming. He wasn't wallowing in fear. He wasn't discussing the situation with the fears and the lies. Do you ever have the conversation with the lies? Don't let them lie to you. Done. Not allowing the situation to shake him from the revelation of Christ and his faith. Romans 8.28, I think, is often misunderstood. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation again. Paul says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Okay, every detail of your life, your mistakes, your failures, your struggles, sins, fears, shame, if you will bring it to Jesus and ask for help, he will lead you out of it 
into a freedom and wholeness you could not have imagined. A lot of people read this and go, well, God caused this so he could get glory. That's a lie. It's not true. But he can take every situation that you have chosen, that you have caused, that somebody else did to you that wasn't right or fair or just. He can take all of that brokenness. And the way I always see it is like a big crater. We're in this hole and we can't get out. It is a mess and there's no hope. And instead of just bringing it back to like even, you know, flat and even, I just see the way he works in our lives. He actually just keeps piling on more and more and more. And actually, as I'm saying that, until it's a monument of his goodness, right? He doesn't just make it back to the way it was. He actually brings so much more into us when we surrender those areas to him that it becomes a monument that other people can look at and go, God does that? God can heal that? God can take that brokenness and make it beautiful? I think God loves being a specialist of restoring lives back to the beauty he intended, redeeming what was lost so our whole life will declare how good he is. Something else Lisa Bevere said was to the effect of, the devil only attacks what he is afraid of. There is something inside of you that he is afraid of. If he is attacking your marriage, if he is attacking your finances, if he is after your kids, if he is after your peace, if he is after your health, Know that that's not because you have failed God or because you are too weak to stand up in those areas. It is because there is something that scares the enemy about what God can do in that place. And if you will stand up and if you will, again, be in community, be in the word, be transformed. Let him breathe his life into those areas. Pray boldly, be courageous. And kick the devil in the teeth. Maybe the attack on your life, the struggles and fears and shame you're feeling are not because you're a problem or because you're bad or not good enough, that you have made mistakes. Maybe it's just because you are powerful and that thing can be so beautiful, so capable of bringing God's redemptive love to the world. So don't bury the hurts, fear, struggles, repent, ask for help, stay connected to community. You guys good for a couple more minutes? These things, these things um, we inherit from our families, right? The dysfunction, the fears, the addiction, the shame. You probably inherited something from your family that wasn't healthy. We already said that, right? The steps you need to take to get out of that is, yeah, have a vision for your life. Be humble and teachable. And um, just... Allow yourself to be in healthy community, people who will speak life into you. You need to get into God's word and let his love and his truth and his promises begin to unravel the lies that you might have been believing. Shame, I think, is, is crazy. It says you're not good enough, and it works to isolate you on every front. Shame will isolate you. It tells you you are not worthy of love, and it creates a life that makes it true. If you... <laughs> If you struggle with shame, you need to get up, look at yourself in the mirror, and begin to speak out God's love and acceptance over yourself. I know it's weird. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. You need to look at yourself in that mirror and go, I am worthy of love. The God of the universe has chosen me. So I can't be rejected. I can't be rejected. I've been chosen. 
I am valuable. God has adopted me as his own. I am his son. I am his daughter. I am capable of loving well and receiving love. I am free from, fill in the blank. I am whole in this area, fill in the blank. Okay, most of the healing, change, and thinking and processing the world around me. Sorry, I'm trying to read my notes too fast and I don't know what I'm saying. Most of the healing in my life, most of the transformation that's happened in my life, it didn't happen in one worship session. It didn't happen just by showing up one night to remedy and poo. Though, honestly, I think more things happen in those moments than I even know. But it has been a slow, steady, faithful process of choosing to come to church, to allow people into my lives in a real, genuine way. Staying in the word of God, studying it, not just reading it, studying it, meditating it, letting it fill me. When I see a way, an attitude in me that's, that's not in Jesus, when I see a way of thinking in me that's not God's way of thinking, I don't run, I don't hide, I don't isolate. I go, God, we're gonna need some help here. Rewire this. I got some wrong tools here. Okay, that's how it happened. Staying connected to community and God. You know, so, so some of it is just by being steady, being faithful, choosing to show up every day. Some of it I did have to be more intentional about, and you guys have heard a lot of that. I did. I had to go, God, this is, I see this in me and it's not in you. I sought out podcasts. I read books. I talked to people who were powerful in that area. I began to intentionally be transformed, if that makes sense. And I am so convinced if we could just know the love of God, so much of this would be broken off of us. I know we're running short on time. Let me just finish a couple of things. Again, if we knew the love of God, we would be so free. Real love is not transactional. Real love is not transactional. God loves you when you don't deserve it. God loves you when you can't earn it. He forgives you when you didn't ask for it. You still need to step into it and receive it. It is not transactional. It is not, I'll do this when you do that. We need to be a people that loves well. Real love never gives up on us, never loses hope. When there is nothing you can give back, will you receive the unconditional love that heals, restores, and redeems? And what will your testimony be? What legacy will you leave? Will you allow God's love into your brokenness so that he can bring the extravagant life, love, healing, hope? And we must choose to build and defend. I've only read two scriptures to you. I have another one coming. I have a paraphrase coming. Hang tight. We must choose to build and defend what God has placed in us and what he is speaking to us about so we can leave a legacy. Okay, there are things he's speaking to you about. You have to defend those. The lies will come. The fear will come. The shame will come and try to steal the truth and the promises and the prophecies over your life. You have to build. You have to defend those and then you have to keep building. Keep building into the word. Keep building in intimacy with God. I was thinking about this story in Nehemiah. You can go read it. But Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Okay, he heard the walls were broken down. The city was disgraced and vulnerable, and he wept. And then he cried out to God and said, God, this isn't right. 
He prayed for God's favor, and then he got to work rebuilding. The enemies would come to discourage the process. They'd, they'd threaten. They'd bring fear. They'd bring intimidation, lies. And so Nehemiah just came up with strategies for protecting the people while continuing with the building. Some stood guard while others worked, but even the ones who worked, they did their work with one hand. They built up with one hand, and they held their sword with the other. That's a beautiful picture. We keep building. We keep growing. We keep putting our hand to something, but we never let go of the truth. The sword of the Spirit. You guys get all that? We never let go of the thing that will protect us from those lies and the shame. If an enemy was nearby, Nehemiah would sound the alarm and people knew to rally together to defend each other and the work they were doing. I know it doesn't make sense why I'm crying. (laughs) I don't know either. How beautiful is that? When you are isolated and you have a problem, there's no rally call. This is beautiful. Don't, Don't diminish what is here. Sound the alarm and people gather to defend and protect this work in your life. The the enemies came again towards the end for a meeting with Nehemiah. And their threats and intimidation aren't working. And they're trying to distract Nehemiah with more lies at getting him to defend himself and discourage the people. And really they wanted to come have this meeting with us. And they just wanted to kill him. And I think it's hilarious because they said, come meet us in the plane of, oh no. (laughs) First clue, guys that you shouldn't go is if it's called, oh no, okay, don't go there. Nehemiah simply said, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Why should, well, don't stop what you're doing to meet with the lies and the intimidation and the shame and let it speak into your life. Later, as they came again, he tells them, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making the whole thing up and we need to face off with the lies in our that are coming against us and go you are a liar satan i am chosen i am a child of god i'm above only and not beneath the head and the tail you need to have those promises have built built up an armory of his promises and his protection and word in your life okay your purpose will keep you from losing sight of who you are Again, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do it, which flows from who you are and whose you are. So what are you building? Are you with God's word in one hand and your shield, your faith, building a wall of strength, power, and protection that will last from generation to generation? Or are you listening to the lies about who you are and whose you are while living in a broken down remnant and a memory of what used to be? What you're building is important. There are gifts on your life. This was, so this was kind of the second part, like I said, of that what I taught in January. Um, and so I, I found this little gem when I was getting it ready for today, and I felt like this was a really prophetic word for somebody today. There are gifts on your life that you have not developed because you didn't see the value in them. It is time to start developing those gifts Investing in what God has given you so you can leave an inheritance for your children's children. You didn't think it was valuable, but it is time. It is time to begin walking in those gifts, investing those gifts, stirring up those gifts. 
Your breakthrough is, is for more than just you. Look for sons and daughters to connect with. Look for mothers and fathers whose grace on their life is something that you need. Build relationship, honor each other, and watch God multiply and strengthen. We need to be determined to hold on to hope, be transformed by the word, sharpened in community, strengthened in vulnerability. It doesn't sound like it works, but it does. Strengthened in vulnerability so that we can give our sons and daughters powerful tools and a higher platform for their generation to move. All right. That's all we have time for and more. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray over you guys. And actually, we're going to, uh, Justin's going to come up and pray for some healing as well. Um, I just want to, can we stand up? Can we engage for a minute? I want to pray over you um, generally. Oh, guys, you're so good. I'm so sorry we're late. If you do need to go, stay anyway. Jesus, I just release over you today, release over these people today, God. First of all, just the knowledge of your love, and we stand against anything anything, any lie, any strategy that would try to separate somebody in here from knowing your love in every part of their being, God, the brokenness, the shame, the hurt, God, we just release your love. We stand against those things that set themselves up against your knowledge. God, we break off the fears and the lies and the intimidation and the shame. God, I just pray for revelation right now of the lies we have been believing how small, how insignificant, how stupid those things are. And God, I release again over them your word, your promises, God, that you have been speaking into them and over them since before the foundation of the world. We call out your word. It is accomplishing the mission that it went out into their hearts to accomplish. So God, I just thank you that right now in your presence, freedom, breakthrough is happening, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just lift up the mothers and fathers in this place today. I thank you, God, for a supernatural grace. I thank you that they would see the value and the beauty and the strength of what they are doing. There would be no um, less than in what they are doing, but God, they see and connect to your heart as a mother and a father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just release your healing into the life, into our hearts today, God. Just thank you for your goodness. Have your way in us, God. We just love you and thank you so much. You guys, thank you for the grace today going so long. I really appreciate it. I hope you got something out of it. Um, let's just stay standing and on the count of three, we'll say Jesus is Lord of the Gunness Mason and the world. Do you get that? It's on the wall if you need it. And you can be released. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world. Bye. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.